Good morning, everybody. So good to see you all here this morning. I'm excited to be here today and to see all your faces. And those of you joining us online, thank you very much for joining us. We are in the middle of a series called Redeemed. I'm going to ask that you turn with me, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Um, in this Redeemed series, we're looking at different people in the Bible who've experienced God's redemption in their life and the way it impacted them. And of course, it impacts us too, right? Uh, so, so, this, so essentially, spiritually, the same things that happen to the people in the Bible, they also happen to us. And so we're going to look at it through the course of the series. And today, as I said, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 1. But before I get into it, I want to make sure that we all understand what redeem means. What does redeem mean? I'm going to describe it to you like this. So when you and I were born, and this is every person who's ever been born on planet Earth, we are born into a spiritual prison, a spiritual prison. We are waiting for our final punishment to come to fruition, which is eternal separation from God in hell. That's what we have waiting for us. But God loves us so much that he created a way for us to leave our spiritual prison. And that was by sending his perfect son. He never sinned. He came to earth, born, lived without sinning. Because he was the perfect sacrifice, he could take your sins and my sins and pay the price for our sins. When Jesus died on that cross and he resurrected he paid the price for our sins. He purchased our way out of our spiritual prison. That's what we mean when we say redeemed. He literally paid the price for, our, for us to leave our spiritual prison and the destiny we had towards hell and changed it towards a destiny, a God-created destiny towards heaven. All right? That's what we mean when we use the word redeemed in this series. So in this verses that we're going to look at today, out of 1 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 12. Now the word redeemed or redemption is not actually used in these verses. But don't mistake that for, for thinking this is not about redemption. This is all about Paul's redemption. All right? So follow along as I start reading 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 12. It says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and, and in unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 
This is all about Paul's redemption. And there's three things I want to point out to you this morning as we go through the different aspects, as we go through these different aspects that Paul experienced in his redemption. Because they aren't true just for Paul. They are true for all of us who claim Christ Jesus as our Savior. All right, and the first is found up in verse uh, 12. It says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this first point this morning, but I want us to make sure we notice what is said here. What's Paul say? Paul is thanking God that as part of his redemption, he was appointed to service. He was appointed to serving Jesus as part of his redemption. Paul wasn't appointed to leadership. He wasn't appointed to comfort. He wasn't appointed to making money. He wasn't appointed to fun. He was appointed to service. And he considers it. He says, I thank God, right? He considers it a privilege and an honor to be able to serve Jesus Christ. When Jesus redeemed Paul, he appointed him to service. Friends, when Jesus redeems us, part of that redemption is he appoints us to serving him, to serving in the kingdom of God. And it's not a burden or a problem. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Now, what your service looks like is going to look different than what mine service looks like. And what this person's service is going to look different than that person's service. But he, when he redeems us, he appoints us to serving in his kingdom. What does God have you doing? If you are a Christ follower and you have been redeemed through Jesus, what does he have you doing? How are you serving him? And if you're drawing a blank, this week, I want you to just earnestly pray. Say, God, what is it? What is it you want me to do as your redeemed child? How do you want me serving you? What's that look like in my life? And God is going to be faithful. He will show you how he wants you serving him. If he hasn't already made it clear to you, I want you to listen to him, pray to him. God, how do you want me to serve you? Being part of your family, how can I best serve you? What's that going to look like for you? God didn't redeem us so we could sit around a campfire and sing Kumbaya. Right? He redeemed us so that we can serve in his kingdom. What's that mean for you? What's that going to look for you? Seek, seek that out this week. I want you to spend time praying to God. Find out how he wants you to serve him. Let's go on to the second point. Points two and three I'm going to spend a little bit more time on. Let's... Uh, Let's go ahead and read 13. The point we're going to make is in verse 14. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Wow. That's a beautiful word picture. Do you see that picture? Paul says... The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. If you have the ESV, 
it says, grace that is overflowing. If you have the New King James Version, it says, exceedingly abundant. It's a beautiful picture. So my mind goes, when I read those verses, my mind goes to seeing Paul. And he's, and he's standing here. And then there's God. And, and God is standing over him with this God-sized picture of grace. And he takes that picture of grace and he pours it over Paul. It just saturates Paul with his grace and his mercy and his love. It's a beautiful picture. Let me illustrate it to you like this. So I have some different items back here. And so I have a cup. We're going to say this cup represents some person, right? This is, this, is, this is a person. And I have another cup here. All right, so this represents grace. And if I was to dispense grace to somebody and to extend grace to somebody, this is how it would look coming from me or probably many of you in this room, okay? Um, here's a person... This is me dispensing grace to a person. That's about it, right? I only have so much patience. God created me. I tend to lean towards grace. I tend to be kind of a grace-filled person. I think just naturally God, God wired me that way. But I got my limits. It is by no means abundant grace. Right? I mean, it only goes so far, and that's about it, right? I mean, that's about the amount of grace that I can show. Some of you who are really, really just, man, you, your walk with God is, is deep, and you are spiritually mature most of, more than the rest of us. Perhaps this is you, right? I mean, like, you may fill up that whole cup, right? I mean, that, we need more of these people, all right? Grace-oriented, grace-filled, grace-givers, that's awesome, right? We need more of that. But this is probably the extent of it, right? How does Paul say God does it? It's abundant grace poured out over him, abundant grace. So let's take something that maybe more accurately represents God's grace Perhaps this is God pouring his grace over an individual looking for the, the forgiveness of their sins, right? It, it's overflowing, right? It's abundant grace. And as I was thinking about that, I go, well, that's good. That's a pretty good picture. I think it still falls short, right? I mean, this, this is abundant grace. As the New King James Version says, exceedingly Abundant. So I thought, well, let's do this. Maybe this is more like God's grace. All right. So here's God pouring exceeding abundant grace. And it just keeps going and going and going and going. This is the picture that I think Paul is giving to us. 
It is overflowing grace. Friends, do you take time to just think about that? Do you sometimes in the busyness of your week, as a redeemed child of God, take time to think, wow, God has given me abundant grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor towards somebody It is showing favor towards someone who does not deserve it. Friends, that is us. We do not deserve it. There's nothing in us that makes God look at us and say, wow, that guy, he really deserves to be redeemed. Wow, that that woman over there, she's one of my favorites. I think I'm going to Give her the forgiveness of her sins. There's nothing. We are unworthy. No, we have, we have not earned it. We do not deserve it. As Paul says, abundant grace poured out over him. Friends, that's our story if we are Christ followers. Our redemption comes through grace. That's the second point I want to make this morning. Your redemption is through grace, the grace of God in your life. You did not earn it. You don't deserve it. But he loves us so much that he provided a way for us to be redeemed, for us to be purchased out of our spiritual jail cell. Abundant grace. Spend time this week thinking about God's grace in your life. I started thinking, that picture still falls short, right? And so my mind kind of works like, okay, what kind of picture could I come up with to think, wow, what has God's grace been like in my life? And the closest thing I could come to is this picture right here. This is, so, so this is Niagara Falls, right? Picture getting in your canoe, paddling up to to the bottom of Niagara Falls and just picturing this being God's grace and just saturating you with his grace and his goodness. That is what he's done for us as he sent his son Jesus into the world so that our sins can be forgiven and redeem us to purchase from our spiritual jail cell. Point number one this morning, you are redeemed for service. Point number two this morning, you are redeemed through grace. One more point I want to make this morning. Let's go down to verse 16. It says, But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Do you see what Paul calls himself in that verse? Don't miss that. He says, an example. Paul is an example of God's redemption. Friends, if you have called on Jesus Christ, and if he is your Lord and Savior, you have have accepted his gift of salvation, confessed your sins, Receive Jesus Christ into your life and living for him. 
you are an example to the world of God's redemption. You are an example to the world of God's redemption. There's been many times that I have heard someone say, I don't have that great of a story. My story is not that exciting. What? Really? Really? God loves you so much that he sent his son into the world to die on the cross for your sins. He opened up your mind and your heart so that you could grasp that truth. He changed your eternity from hell to heaven. And your story is not that exciting? That's incorrect. I don't care if you were seven years old in a Sunday school class, if you were 25 years old in a jail cell, or if you were 55 years old in a hospital bed. Whatever your redemption story is, it's an example to the world around us that desperately needs to hear it. You have a redemption story. And there's three parts to your story. If you are a Christ follower, there's three parts to your story. The first is, what was your life like before Jesus? Well, you were a sinner. You were a sinner on your way to hell. What was your life, or, or at what point, how, when did you meet Jesus Christ? How did you learn about him, invite him into your life, and make him your Lord? How did that happen? That's part two. Part three is, what's your life been like after Jesus? After you gave your life to him, how has it impacted you? Right? Everyone's story is different. Different time, different way, different place. But you have three parts to your redemption story that are an example to the world. If you don't know your story, your redemption story, you probably do not have a redemption story. Because I've heard a lot of times, I've just always believed. I've just, I've just always believed. I, don't know, I go to church. I try to be good. I don't know. I'm just doing my best. Wrong. That is not a redemption story. Honestly, that's probably the story of a nice person on their way to hell. A redemption story points back to a time in someone's life could be a moment, could be a day, a season, somewhere, somehow, when God had someone speak to you his truth from the Bible, showing you that you are a sinner in need of God's forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. And at some point, someone told you that. Somehow you learned that. Maybe as a child, maybe as an adult, somewhere, somehow, if you have been redeemed, you have come to understand that Jesus loves you, died for you, and is the way to the Heavenly Father. At some point, someone told you. Whatever it might be, whenever it might be, I've always believed. I've just always believed. No, no, you haven't. No one comes out of the womb just believing. Maybe you were a young child. At some point, you became to understand, and the world needs to hear your story. You, your redemption story is an example to the world around you of God's incredible mercy and his love 
for you and for mankind. And there's something else that needs to be included in your redemption story, and it's Scripture. Some of you can very clearly remember the point in time in your life where you, you were spoken to by God, and you asked Jesus into your heart, and he pointed certain Scripture to you, right? Some of you, though, maybe it didn't happen that way. Maybe you were at camp, and there was a message, uh, and, it, and God spoke to you at, at that time. But maybe you don't have verses, right? This morning, I'm going to give to you verses you need to know. Five verses you need to know as Christ followers. If you are a follower of Christ, you need to know these verses. Memorize them. Use them as you share your redemption story. Okay? Five verses. I want you to write down these references. Physically write down these references. Or punch them in your, your phone or whatever. Memorize these verses. The first one. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What's that say? We're all sinners. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're all sinners. We are headed towards spiritual death. That's what that tells us. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're headed towards death, but God's provided a way out, right? It's Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Right? That's the point where we believe in our heart. God, Jesus is who you say he is in your word, and I believe it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Know those verses. Memorize them. And when you share your redemption story, now what you're doing is you are pointing people to God's word. It's not what you just feel. It's based on scripture. This is the reason you believe what you believe. You have a redemption story. Paul says he is an example to those around him of Jesus' incredible patience and of his redemption. When is the last time you shared your redemption story? If it's been years, that's a problem. But it's fixable. Because you can start this week. Doesn't mean you aren't a Christ follower. Just means you aren't being the example that God wants you to be. Start sharing your story. And it's going to look different, right? I mean, in some way, communicate to those people you live life with, you are a follower of Christ. Your eternity has been changed because of your faith in Jesus and his death and resurrection. Communicate that however you want, however God opens the door. And if you're like, Dan, that's terrifying, okay? Pray about it. Say, God, this week, this month, provide opportunity for me to share my redemption story and see what he does. Be earnest in prayer about it and see what he does. I'm willing to bet he's going to open a door. What more does God want than for you to share your redemption story with someone else? Three points this morning that we learn out of Paul's story. And if you want to read about Paul's actual conversion experience, go to Acts chapter 9. It 
The Bible lays it all out there. But these are the results of his redemption that we see in 1 Timothy chapter 1. One is you are redeemed for service. Two is you are redeemed through grace. Three is you are, your redemption is an example to the world around you. Simple homework this week, friends. First off, sit down with God. Find out. How should you be serving him as a result of your redemption? Homework assignment number two, just sit and just like thank God for his amazing, abundant mercy. And three, memorize these verses. Begin to rehearse your redemption story so that when God provides opportunities, you can share your story. Be able to articulate the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Pray with me, please. Dear Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. God, we, we thank you that you have given to us abundant mercy, exceedingly abundant mercy, that you came into this world, died on the cross for our sins, changed our eternity, gave us hope and a purpose joy, victory. And God, today, for those of us who are Christ followers, we look forward to spending eternity with you. Thank you for your exceedingly abundant mercy. Father God, I pray that you will empower us through your Holy Spirit to go into this world and to share our redemption story. May fear not control us. May we be obedient to the calling that you have given to us to be an example to the world around us of your amazing mercy and the redemption that you provided through your son, Jesus Christ. May we study your word, help us memorize it, help us proclaim it, help us to live by it. May it not just be something that we read and forget about the rest of the day. May it impact us and may we memorize it and tell it to the people that we live with and may we live it out daily through the power of your Holy Spirit in our life. Father, we love you. We are not worthy of the time that you even give to us to come before you to worship you, but you extend your mercy, and we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your word, the love of fellow believers, and especially your son, Jesus Christ. May you be honored and glorified with our lives as we leave here, and may we meditate and reflect on and practice the redemption through Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.